Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, at Mickey underscore Canuck on Twitter. You can hit the show on Twitter as well, at Locked On Leafs. The Maple Leafs with a big victory last night, a much-needed two points against the Florida Panthers. 5-3 was the final, and boy, it was really a great game, but honestly, it was a roller coaster. <laughs> um, I-, I felt like after the first half of that first period, I thought that the Leafs were done. All of a sudden, you look and they're down 3-1. Matt Anderson allowed a terrible third goal, and there was you know thoughts in my mind saying, pull, pull him. You, come on, Keith, pull him. And then even after that, he was a little shaky on a couple of saves uh, afterwards. But uh, he, he settled in. He really did settle in. He stopped all 21 shots he faced after allowing that bad goal. So good on Keith for not uh, for not pulling him. Obviously, that's a reason why... I'm not on the bench, and it's professionals like Sheldon that are on the bench. Uh, but no, a big win for the Maple Leafs. It was honestly a, a really good game, an all-out effort from everybody, I thought. Um, so let's get to the good, the better, the best, and uh, and we'll chat about it. So good, I, I went with Freddie Anderson. So it was a tough start. He allowed three goals on the first six shots of the game. And that third one, as I said, terrible goal, bad goal. You cannot let that in. But he kind of settled in into the uh, towards the end of the first and the second and the third period. Um, he stopped all 21 shots he faced after that third goal and made two big saves in the final minute too when the Panthers are pressing with the net open. Uh, let's also I, I, we need to credit everybody for this. So not just Freddie because what makes Freddie good is when the team in front of him is good. And that's honestly when the Leafs, when they're winning and when they're playing at their best and they look like a, a Stanley Cup contender, it's when they're playing a full 60-minute effort and they're playing a 200-foot game. And that seems like what they did last night because Freddie had a lot of help out in front of him. The second period, they limited him to just four shots and no grade-A shots, no grade-A chances against him either. So, you know, Freddie had to make the stops, but really the, the Leafs in front of him didn't give up. Much grade A chances. And then the third period was a, a, a little more even, I would say. Um, a good bounce back for Florida. But again, Freddie stood on his head when they needed him. And then in that final minute, you know, we got to give credit to the whole group that was out there. They're taking away passing lanes, taking away shooting lanes, blocking shots. And then finally, Hall able to to tie up his man quickly enough to, to be able to clear the zone and ends up going off the boards and rolling all the way down the ice and ice, ice the game when it went into the net to make it 5-3. So kind of a, a whole team effort, but, you know, Freddie, um, it, it's good to see him having a couple of good games in a row couple of good starts. So Freddie Anderson, he gets my good, uh, better. Man, it's got to be Austin Matthews, I think. Um, Matthews, so nothing makes me smile and nod. Like, sadistically nod. <laughs> like when Austin Matthews goes into, give me that damn puck mode like he did last night. When he goes flying in on the forecheck, lays a massive check, and gets that puck, rips it away from the defender. I, he, he, if that's the way that he's going to play, he is going to be a dominating force in this league for a long time. Like that is legitimately. There's no way you can stop him. He's he's a massive human being, and when he's on his game like that, he is going to be something special most nights. Uh, taking a look at his stat line through the night. Let me just pull it up quick. Get a goal and assist. Where did it go here? 
So goal and assist in 20 minutes and 18 seconds, a plus two. Six shots on goal, eight attempts altogether. Two hits, two takeaways, and was 59% in the faceoff draws. So he was kind of doing a little bit of everything last night. And he was fantastic. I thought he was he was had one of his best games of the season last night. Real solid game out of him. Um, and and you know when he's hard on the pucks like that, hard on the forecheck, like you look at the goal that he scored last night. It was directly as a result of him forechecking, jar hitting. He went in, crashed the boards, hit the defender. Puck came loose. He gets it up. Uh, possession back in the low zone, getting it back up to Marner, who got it over to Hyman, and then he scooted it right back to Matthews for the backdoor tap-in. And uh, that was the direct result of him going in and regaining possession for his team. Because he played with some physicality, bumped the defender off the puck, and regained possession. Like, that's what that – if they want to try a, a, a dump-and-chase mentality sometimes, because they can't always skate it through the neutral zone and over the line, like, teams have picked up on that. So for Matthews to throw in that little wrinkle, all right, fine. We'll dump and chase. I can go in there and crash the glass with you, get the puck back. We'll score again anyway. And that's what they did. And Matthews, that goal put him just one goal back of Pasternak for the lead for the Ruck of Shard Trophy. 44 goals for Austin Matthews. I think I saw he passed uh, Rick Vive on, uh, on the Leaf single goal scoring record books. Still sits back, still sitting shy. Last year, Tavares had 47 and then a uh, couple of 50-goal seasons. But Matthews, though, was really good last night. Uh, my best, though, got to go to Zach Hyman. This guy, he's blossoming into a budding star here in Toronto. Honestly, I, I, he's got to be one of the most underrated players in the league at this point. Not that he's, like, a top 100 player by any by any means. I mean, he could be, actually. Maybe even I'm underrating him. But, like, for what people thought he was going to be, even myself coming into this season, like, Zach Hyman to me was was a guy, he was more so a defensive specialist, a puck retriever, um, and then he was just going to let Tavares and Marner do their thing. And then all you got to do, go, go into the corner, get the puck out to your skill guys, then head to the net for the screen or, or the, the cheeky tip or try and get a, a garbage rebound. Like, that's, that's what I thought Zach Hyman, that was going to be his role. But that hasn't been the case. I mean, that yeah, he's doing those things as well. Like, his defensive play and his puck retrieval has always been his bread and butter, and that's why he is where he is now. But his offensive game has really improved this season, and it's a big reason why he's got 20 goals already on the year. Keep in mind that he missed the first six weeks of the season recovering from an ACL injury over the offseason. And we know what happens when you miss the first six weeks of the season. We saw it happen with, with Willie last year on his when he was out for his contract. See, Willie was able to skate and, and, and he was able to play. Hyman was still recovering. like He was still injured for a little bit. And he's been able to have this dominant of a season. It's, it's outstanding. Like His goal last night, when he got the puck in tight on the backhand, was able to get it to his forehand and tuck it in past Bobrovsky, like, that's, a, that's skill. That is legitimate skill, and that's something that he wasn't doing three years ago when he broke into the league. That's a new wrinkle in his game. 
And if he can bring that extra aspect to a game on a nightly basis, that's one more thing that defenders and goaltenders are going to have to worry about when he's out on the ice, along with Marner, along with Matthews, and then when Nylander and Tavares are out on the ice, or when they're on the penalty kill and he's blocking a shot and then him and Marner are coming down the ice on the two-on-one, which happened again last night. Those two on the penalty kill, honestly, they're, they're, they're starting to impress me, man. They're doing some good things, good things on the penalty kill. Another two-for-two two night. Uh, but Zach Hyman, he was all over the place. The, the TSN guys were even, after the game, uh, on the panel. They were joking. He could have had five points last night. and Yeah, he could have. Finished with two, a goal and an assist, but he could have had five. 23 minutes, 15 seconds of ice time. Like, who would have thought when he came into the league as your, your fourth-line grinder, Babcock-esque guy, that he was going to turn into the Leafs' number one left winger, playing over 23 minutes a night, and proving that he belongs there. It's outstanding. What Zach Hyman has done for his career is just outstanding. And he's... <laughs> He's a, a year away, a year or two away from being paid, too. And that's going to be an interesting negotiation. Very interesting negotiation. All right. Uh, so that's the good, better, best. And uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll chat more about the game against Florida. All right. Welcome back to Locked On Leafs Podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you. Uh, Leafs with a big 5-3 win over Florida. They move up four points on the Panthers in the playoff race. It was a massive, massive victory. They had to get it done. They get the sweep in Florida on their quick two-game trip, and they all-important two points last night against the Panthers. A um, couple other things that I noticed about that game. Early on, when, when we were, you know, kind of worried what was going to happen when we went down 3-1, look, Florida's fourth line, I don't know why, but they seem to go, like, Super Saiyan mode when they play the Leafs. Like, Mark Pissick, defenseman turned elite goal-scoring fourth-liner for the Florida Panthers, scored another goal last night after having a hat-trick when these two played a couple of months ago in Florida. Or, no, he had a hat-trick in the 5-3 game. Literally last time they played. Um, so he had a hat-trick in last game, scored again last night. Nola Chari, another goal last night. Achari, too, having an outstanding season. Uh, everyone's talking about how Zach Hyman's having such a great year, putting up 20 points. Noel Charlie, 20 goals. Didn't see that coming. A good uh, offseason pickup by Dale Talon and, and, and the Florida Panthers picked him up off Boston in this in the uh, in the offseason. And he's he's provided some good depth for them, and especially against the Leafs. The fourth line are the Leaf killers. And I'm just glad that after the first period, they seem to shut them down a little bit. But I think the biggest problem. One of the things that I noticed of why that uh, they, they seem to struggle against that line is just because they're so aggressive, and, and that that line is so hard in on the forecheck. They just they lay the body and they get uh, they play really really heavy heavy hockey, and maybe it just it took the Leafs a little bit of time to get into the game, and 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 uh, and that's why they they took advantage. But uh, just kind of that, that fourth line has kind of been a thorn in the side of the Leafs for the entire season series. Uh, there's one more game between these two as well. Uh, so that's going to be really important. That game, once again, almost near win, must win. 
Kasperi Kapanen. I want to talk about him really quickly. He scored another goal last night. Beauty. Just, uh, I guess it was as the power play expired because it's showing even strength. So it must have been just as expired. But Kasperi Kapanen, a goal, had a fight, and he's really, the evolution of Kapanen is really something that I'm enjoying to watch this season. You know, he went from a struggling player who was thrusted into the top six, wasn't working on a line with Marner and Tavares, to moving down to the third line, doing pretty well, and then went on a big-time goal drought. Went, I think, uh, 14 games without a goal. And then he finally scored. And since then, the last, like, six or seven games, he's got three goals since then. And in the last, like, six or seven games. And he's really been on fire lately. Travis Dermott, after the game, said he, he's, been a, he's been a little rocket. Like, he's, he's playing really solid hockey. He's playing the best hockey I've ever seen him play. He's utilizing his speed. He's shooting the puck really well. He's killing penalties. He's scoring on the power play. Sperry Kapanen's fighting. <laughs> Sorry. Kasperi Scrappinen. Two fights in the last, what, week for Kapanen? Like, I, I'm loving it. I think it was Jeff O'Neill who said, if Kapanen wants to be a successful player in this league, and he wants to be successful for the Maple Leafs, they don't need him to be Mitch Marner or William Nylander. They need him to be Zach Hyman. And maybe that conversation was happening behind closed doors as well because he's really starting to pick up on, on some of the tendencies that he does. He's been tenacious on the puck. You know, he's been, he's been in on the forecheck. He's been backchecking. Um, I really like what Hyman's done. He's, he's dropping the mitts. You know, I th I th well, the fight, actually, I should mention why they fought. It was because he was sticking up for a teammate. Dermot got railed into the boards uh, right at the end of the first period there. Although it was the same guy who ended up hitting Dermot. But it was kind of a response after that hit. And then uh, so Kapanen ended up dropping the mitts at the end of the first period there. So Scrappy Cappy, I'm here for it. I think he's doing fantastic. Uh, all right, let's quickly discuss... All right, real quick, because then we got to take another break here before we get to the third segment. Um, but I, I just want to discuss how the I think the overall team defense really stepped up in that game. Honestly, they 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 really really did. I, I think uh, Justin Hall. I kind of I think it was literally yesterday. I was like, look, Justin Hall. Yeah, he's he was he had a really good couple of months, and then he's kind of faded off. He had a really good game yesterday. And he was out there in the final minutes. He did a pretty good job of shutting down the top line. Along with Dermot. Dermot, really good game last night. Probably one of the better ones that he's played all season. Even after being shaken up in the, after the first period off that big hit. Tyson Berry, I thought that he had a pretty good, pretty good game. And he's a guy who's really going to have to step up now in Muzzin's absence. Like, he's really the only player at this point who has NHL experience. Like, Dermot's got pieces of a couple of years. Marinchin has some pieces of a couple of years. 
you know, but but Barry's really the only one who's an established himself as a longtime NHL veteran defenseman in this league. And with the injuries that they have on the back end, Riley, Muzzin, Cody Cece, I guess. Barry's gonna have to step up. And I thought that he played really well last night. So that's good to see. But again, like I cautioned after the Tampa game, we need to see consistency from this team. We know that they can play this way because they've shown us that they can play this way. Last Thursday in Pittsburgh, Tuesday night in Tampa, last night in Florida. That's three of the last four games that they've played elite playoff-style hockey. you got to keep it going. you got a big game against Vancouver tomorrow night, and they can play some big boy hockey. They're a really, really talented team. They're a really, really run-and-gun offensive team as well. I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout. Anderson's going to have to stand on his head again. But if they can play the way that they played against Florida last night, hard in on the forecheck, back check, collapse into the defensive zone and, and not give them anything to shoot at from in front of the net, make them shoot from the peripherals, box out players in front of the net, don't give up any any uh, cross-ice passing seams. They can do all that with against Vancouver. They stand a pretty good shot at winning that game tomorrow. Should be a fun one. Should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be down there, actually. So uh, so I'll have a kind of a live perspective of the game. Uh, so that, that'll be good. So when I chat to you guys again on Monday, I can tell you about that experience and tell you uh, hopefully I'll get to chat to a couple of people up there in the press box and, and get a chance to, to get their perspective as well. Maybe I can get somebody on the show for us. Uh, but... Yeah, no, it's going to be a really fun game. Really looking forward to it. Okay, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, it's the 10-year anniversary of the Golden Goal. So I want to talk about where I was. I want to know where you were. And uh, let's chat about that because that was one of the greatest hockey moments of my life. And I'm always down to chat about it. And we'll do that next. All right, welcome back to Locked On Lease Podcast. It's the 10-year anniversary of Sidney Crosby's Golden Goal, which pretty much uh, I would classify as my favorite sports memory of all time. Um, won Canada the gold on home soil in overtime against the Americans, the big bad Americans, and it, it, it goes down as one of the best sports memories in history. You could have the argument that it is my generations, the millennial generation, Gen Z, I guess, as well, if, if that's what you want to go with. But my generation's uh, Summit Series goal, my Paul Henderson goal from 72. That's what, that's what it was for me. That's the, the pride that I felt. Like, I obviously wasn't there. I wasn't even thought of. Like, my dad wasn't even born, actually, in 72. He was born in 73. but So I wasn't even in the conversation. But I sure was in 2010 in Vancouver. I'll tell you exactly where I was. I was watching it with my family. We were, we were at my, in my house watching it. I had my Team Canada 
Roberto Luongo jersey on, watching it. I had my my well, I was a, a Team Canada hat also that I had on. Um, watching that game. Full disclosure, Roberto Luongo, my favorite player of all time. And I remember when the Americans tied it late. It was pretty deflating. But then the overtime period started up, and when Crosby scored, I shot up from my couch and cheered like I had never cheered before. I was, in 2010 when that scored, I would have been 15 years old. So I was 15 when that goal went in. And I cheered like I, I was I was six years old and, and just didn't care. Like that was that was a moment for me that I'll never forget. And immediately, I'm from Niagara Falls. Immediately, my family packed into the van and we went down to Clifton Hill. If anyone's been to Clifton Hill, um, so you know it's it's just a basically a massive hill in Niagara Falls, right at the top or right above the Niagara Falls itself. And there was just a massive party on the street. And I knew it was going to be, we grabbed our Canadian flag. I grabbed anything that was red. Um, and we went down and I was hanging out the window and I was waving my flag. Horns were honking. Everyone was giving high fives. It was just such a scene. It was a sea of red down there. Uh, and it was just fantastic. I, I absolutely loved it. It was one of my, it, it to this day is one, one of my greatest memories, not just hockey memories, but one of my greatest memories of my life. Um, and it's that sense of pride that you get knowing that, you know, as a Canadian, you went out, your team went out and battled for you, for your country, so that you can have that sense of pride. And that's why I hate that the Olympics and the NHL are, are, are fighting right now and my players weren't able to go in 2018. It took away, it took away a lot. I honestly, I think I maybe watched... One or two games. Whereas in that year, in 2010, my eyes were glued, glued to the screen for every single second of that Olympics. It was awesome. On home soil, my favorite player, Luongo, ended up stealing the starting role from from, uh, Martin Brodeur. They had lost actually, to the Americans earlier in the tournament and then went on to beat them in overtime for the gold. It was, it was great. Uh, I, I hope to God that these players are going to be allowed to go to the NHL and they figure out something with the NHL and with the IOC and they'll be able to go to China because being robbed of that experience in 2018 sucked. I'm sure you guys also we're not big fans of the NHL players not going to the Olympics. It just wasn't the same at all. And these wounds get broken back up because today is the 10th year anniversary. And I just keep seeing that goal over and over and over again. And it puts a smile on my face. But then I also think like, what if we don't get that? In 2022, like we didn't in 2018. You know, we want the best on best tournaments. We want them as fans. And I don't understand why Gary Bettman and the Olympic Committee 
can't figure out a way to get it done. I understand, you know, there's there's rights holders and, and tons of money involved and logistics and all that. But this is sports entertainment at the end of the day. The fans want it. The fans are the one that pay for all of it. The reason why your Olympic rights are worth so much money is because all these athletes that go and compete are being watched by us, their fellow countrymen, countrymates. I really hope that in 2018, they, they realize that it is a bit of a hindrance not having the NHL players at the Olympics. And next year that they, they have them in 2022. But not to end on a sour note, um, you know, the golden goal, it was, uh, it was amazing. Um, getting goosebumps thinking about it again. And I want to know, where were you during the golden goal? You know, were you at a bar? Were you with family? Were you in the building? I know a lot of people were in the building. It's here in Canada. Tons of people went out there. So please respond uh, respond to us on Twitter. Let me know where you were. Love to hear it. Love to hear all the stories. That's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like you to, to uh, thank you for listening and supporting the show. You'd subscribe to Locked on Leafs Podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. All right, be sure to check back in tomorrow. Uh, nope, Monday. I lied. On Monday, where we'll recap the game against the Canucks tomorrow night. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leaves.